Are you wasting your time on repetitive, error-prone manual processes? If so, marketing automation might be the answer to your troubles. This episode, we are talking about B2B marketing automation. We'll cover tools, best practices, common pitfalls, and more. Let's get started. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host today, Mallory Kuhn, Growth Marketer at Lean Labs. And today I'll be chatting with Chris Dubois, Lean Labs CEO. Hi there, Chris. How are you? I am great. How are you, Mallory? Excellent. I'm doing really well. I'm excited to uh, to chat with you today about marketing automation. I know it's something that you have some um, a lot of experience with and some some opinions on, you know, uh, how to do it and how to do it right. Um, so I'm excited to get your your wisdom during this episode. All right. Hopefully, I will provide wisdom. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we'll see. Let's start with the basics. Um, you know, what is marketing automation and why is it so important in B2B marketing? Right. So marketing automation uh, ultimately refers to like the software platforms, the technologies, everything that you're using to automate repetitive marketing tasks, right? So um, sending out email campaigns, social media posts, um, really it's, it, anything you're doing to try nurturing leads. Right, like anything that can be happening in the back end that doesn't necessarily require someone pushing a button every single time. Right. Um, I think I've said it before on the podcast, so I'll keep saying it because someone's listening to the first episode for them. Uh, anytime you're looking at automations, right, like you should be prioritizing accuracy over efficiency. If you're doing things using automations to be more accurate with everything going on in your marketing, it's going to lead to more efficiency, but it causes you to just look at your automations differently so that you're actually thinking like, all right, how do I make sure I'm getting all the right information and I'm sending that to the right place so that throughout this entire process of automating everything, we're becoming more efficient, right? A lot of times, if you fail to ensure accuracy, you might be saving some time, but you're probably losing it somewhere else because you're not giving the best information to each portion of this like pipeline, right? Right. Uh, it's also probably super important to note, like there are literally jobs where people just do marketing automation. So like, um, ideally we can have some, some of those people like chime in with like, and share some thoughts, uh, after hearing this episode and tell me where I'm, I'm missing the mark. But, uh, but yeah, all of the stuff that we're going to talk about obviously has been working for us. So. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And, you know, we can all always learn and grow more from yeah. from other people that are doing things, uh, you know, have been doing them longer or are just doing them differently in a way that we haven't thought of before. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a really great point about uh, making sure you're using your automation for accuracy first rather than efficiency first, because, um, like you said, if you're inaccurate, you're, you're probably losing some efficiency somewhere. But I, I would argue that you are losing a lot of efficiency depending on how inaccurate it is because just think, you know, to use a kind of boring uh, comparison, um, is it easier to, you know, just keep your house clean or is it easier to let it get real messy and then have to come and, yeah. and do a total overhaul, right? Now imagine that with your marketing data, like 
Uh, it can get messy really quick uh, if your automations are off. So uh, I, I wonder, that kind of brings me to, to another question, which is um, what do you think is one of the biggest missteps, misunderstandings um, about automation? Is that it, uh, right? The, the misunderstanding of that it's just for making things faster. Yeah. So a lot of people will go into marketing automation thinking it's, it's just what they need to be doing. And so they're, they, the very first step they do is like they build something and they say, how do I automate it? But like, you really need to do it manually first to ensure you're getting the end result that you're actually looking for. And so do it a couple of times, right? Like send that email out manually to make sure that you know, like it's reaching the right people, it's doing the right things. Um, if you have like a workflow in the back end that's changing the status of certain leads, like, Go through and make sure, does this person meet this criteria? Okay, let me change them to this status. Let me, what Now, where are they? What do I need to do with them for the next step? But as you man, manually go through that, one, it's going to show you how long it actually takes. So you can use that as like a little thing later when you're trying to measure how, how effective you are now. Um, but it also ensures that, that accuracy um, because you're making sure, okay, I need all five of these criteria to, to be able to move someone to this next stage. Um, let me make sure I know those criteria very specifically. This is what they are. And then you can capture them. You list those out. So that when you're building out your automation, you know, these exact criteria have to be in a certain place and you just, you've got them annotated. You've manually looked at these before. So you know, they're the, the, you know, exact steps you need to be taking. Um, and then you can fire it that way. So like, yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's a great point about making sure that you understand how to do it manually. You know, it's the same reason why I, I'm sure it frustrated some of the other uh, <laughs> non-STEM kids like myself in uh, in high school. But it's the same reason why the math teachers always make you do uh, everything, you know, by hand first before they teach you how to do it on your fancy calculator. Um, because you have to understand those building blocks uh, in order to properly use the tools. Um and, and troubleshoot them, right, when they're not working. I feel like that's important as well if the automation, something's not, uh, you know, going through and you don't understand all of those steps yourself, um, makes it a heck of a lot harder to fix it. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. So let's talk some positives. What are some of the key benefits that a B2B company can see, can get when they start automating some of those marketing processes? Sure. So... I think there are two big ones. I'm going to keep bringing this one up. One, accuracy, right? You get the, the right data to the right places. Um, and it's super important because that op often that feeds other automations, right? You're not just automating like one thing to make one little piece happen. It's like you have a whole system in the back end that's like queuing people up, moving people in different places. And that's just so having that accuracy to make sure all of those subsequent automations are going to fire with the right criteria. Um, that's huge benefit to just having having that go. It also means like when something moves from marketing into sales, right? Sales has everything that they need. They have all of the correct information that they've asked for and that marketing has said, right, let me make sure I can capture all of that in our forms and you know, whatever else. And you can pull that together. So accuracy is the huge one. Um, and then because of the accuracy, you're able to increase efficiency. And so everything gets faster. Right. Like even just getting a, a lead to a sales rep, if you can, if you can do that in less than five minutes, they've seen a 95% increase in close rates. Wow. Like, that's pretty substantial to, to be like, why would anyone not want to 
right? You know, get a lead in more than five minutes. Or like everyone is going to want to do it within that time frame. Uh, but when you have to, you have some companies, and I've worked with them, right? They manually want to look at a lead and say, all right, who can I send this to? It's like, why? No, don't. Like, <laughs> let's set the criteria. You know, this yeah. person works in this region, right? So any, we can set it up by zip codes. If you are in anywhere in this space, right? We can even have a drop down where someone just selects what region they're, they're in. And then that triggers them to go right to a specific rep. So we can get them in the hands of a rep within five minutes. Rather than having to go to a sales manager who then looks at the lead, decides what to do, sends it to another person who now has to look at the account, give them a call, right? Like we're increasing close rates by just setting up one simple automation. And it's like a simple automation. It takes almost nothing to set something like that up. Um, and so, so you get that, but then you also get like the more, the faster you get at some of these other automations means the more time your team has to do other things, things that require more manual focus. Um, writing these emails, right? Writing blog posts, right? Creating copy for web pages. Like they get to go focus on that instead of just making sure they're sending emails out at the right time. Right. And so, so yeah, tons of, tons of benefits just from those two. Yeah. And that's a great point where, you know, I do feel like there is, uh, especially for, for larger organizations, maybe uh, they may have to counter that kind of pushback from people like that sales manager, right? That uh, I, I do mm-hmm. feel like there is a, a sense that people don't always feel comfortable right away automating. They're they're afraid to let go of that uh, tactile uh, engagement that they have with a process. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. That's something that you know people should be aware of when they're implementing those processes. Maybe involve those um, sales managers, right? Those those key parties early on in the process of building the automation, so that um, they don't feel like they're losing control. <laughs> and so, if I mean, if you want to do something with that too. I've set up a workflow before where a um, a lead would come in, it would go to the proper rep. And if after three minutes, that rep ha- still hadn't engaged the individual, it would notify the sales manager to be able to jump on the call and get them so that they were still within that five minute window, right? Sales manager doesn't have a ton of time. Like <laughs> He's got like two minutes. Right. To hit that. Hope he's not um, getting a cup of coffee. <laughs> but that sales manager specifically was hesitant to even do this. And so knowing that they still had some control right. and they would still have a chance to do something on their own was enough for them to actually automate it. And they ended up increasing their their close rates. And so that's great. And it's a great, you know, compromise option that actually further uses the power of automation, right? So great. that's awesome. Um, so that's already some great examples. Um, but I'm I'm gonna be greedy with examples and I'm curious <laughs> if you have some more examples that you can provide um for us. So so some marketing automation techniques that mm-hmm. um you've seen and you've used, you know, particularly maybe with within Lean Labs or within one of our clients, um, you know, that have been particularly effective. Right. Yeah, so I, I like including some of those sales rep ones because it, it really is a marketing automation to get because it's a marketing handoff to sales. Right. And so so I like including those. We do those a lot because we work very closely with sales teams to ensure they're getting everything that they need. Um, kind of within that, something we're doing. Um, so we set up our sales pipelines so that as a lead, so like there's automations within the pipeline, right? So if a lead moves from one deal stage to the next, there's going to be a series of actions depending on what that company actually needs done. But then even when we get to, you know, like close one or close lost, we require certain information from that sales rep that feeds back into our marketing. And so if we get someone gets moved into a closed loss, they have the sales rep has to put in a reason. 
and and we can dictate what those reasons are. You know, through a dropdown, we can have like we can set it up however we want to make sure we're capturing this. But that information goes back to marketing, who can then say, okay, we're losing a lot of deals because of these objections. And so now we can create the content to address those. And it all just happens seamlessly in the back, like in the background where we just get fed this information. We can, you know, kick out reports that let us know exactly what we need to be doing. Um, there's a bunch of automations that I'm sure everyone has already heard about, right? Like doing a welcome sequence. Someone converts on your site. Let me indoctrinate you in how we think about this industry. Um, great opportunities there to, to just get in front of people and keep hitting hitting their inbox and showing up. Um, you could have just like an engagement sequence of some sort, right? You just you have a three or four email sequence about a specific topic, and you just want to keep firing these, and so you automate it. Um, something that I am going to play with, so I haven't tried this yet. So just, <laughs> but if anyone else wants to play with this idea and let me know how it goes, um, we, you can we can use the same email, right? To to send out to people. So if someone doesn't, oh, we send one email, they don't open it. I could resend the same email with a different subject line because oh, the subject gotcha. line is what causes that open rate, right? Right. And so maybe they don't open the second email. Let me try one third subject line, see if they get it with the same email body. I'm not, all I'm doing is creating three subject lines for the same email. And as long as they open one of those, it would kick, it would cut off the rest of that workflow and move them on a different branch of this, this funnel. So they get a new email next. Uh, but if they haven't opened the first two and there's still a chance I can get them to open that third, awesome. Um, so it's basically a chance to get more opens and test out some subject lines. If I realize, hey, no one's opening email one in this, but that third subject line is just killing it. Everybody is clicking on that one. I can now move that up to number one, see if it works. Right. And uh, and then we can test it that way. And then I might not need those other two subject lines because that one's working so well. Right. Um, you got some other ones like if you download an ebook. Right. Making sure they get that email. Um, you're sending them to different pages. You're enrolling them in whatever other sequences and stuff. Um, we often use it as well to you to auto set lifecycle stages. And so we use HubSpot. HubSpot has a bunch of pre-built in lifecycle stages. You can actually change those now if you want. Um, but we generally use you know, a lead, marketing qualified lead, sales qualified lead, opportunity and then customer. And but depending on what the criteria is. So we'll set up every form on our website to make sure we're capturing all of the information we need to know if that individual is actually worth marketing to. Like if they're someone that we actually want to engage with who could eventually talk to sales and give us money. Um, and so one, that's the accuracy piece, right? We need to make sure the forms are asking for the information that we actually want to, to include and, and collect. Um, we then use that to feed someone into a list in HubSpot and then that automates whatever, as soon as they pop up on that list, kicks off a workflow that changes their lifecycle stage. So now I can go through, I can pull up other lists. I can see how many MQLs we have. I can go look at reports, see how many we've generated this month. And like, and it's all just happening once I built it once. And I don't have to go um, kind of change anything. Um, I'm sure there's tons of other ways too that, we, <laughs> that we're using it. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think the lifecycle stage one is a, is a great example where it, it is about the accuracy. I mean, again, like you said, you don't have to go in and manually change it. Da, da, da. But mm -hmm. for all of the reporting, it's so essential to know <laughs> uh, yeah. for at least a lot of what we do, um, what stage people are at. And, you know, if it is automated, that um, reduces the risk of someone misclicking and then, oops, now, you know, you have 
bunch of charts that are off <laughs> um, that you've presented to the client or whatever the case might be. So, um, right. yeah, I think that's a great use of it um, that, mm-hmm. the, you know, people can uh, take a lot from. Um, we've talked a little bit about some misunderstandings that people have about, um, you know, automation in, in B2B marketing, but I'm curious, uh, what are some challenges, right? So if you have the right understanding and you're going into it with, you know, uh, your best foot forward, but what are some of the pitfalls you might fall into? What are some of the struggles you might come up against and how can our listeners overcome those Mm -hmm. to get the most from their efforts? Yeah. So let's see. I would I would say one potential pitfall is not having the end in mind, right? Not like just automating for the sake of automating. Like it, have a plan. Why are you actually automating that? What info are you grabbing so that you can accurately, you know, grab information and pass it along as necessary? Um the I think even on like things like forms, right? So that usually forms are often what is going to kick off your, your automations because that's where you're collecting information. Um, I've seen a lot of companies use a single line text field rather than a drop down field. Now for that might be fine for you, but there's some, and I'm going to, I'm going to upset someone with this, right? People from Mississippi are going to spell Mississippi in a lot of different ways. Some because there's different abbreviations, some because they just don't know how to spell Mississippi. And so and that was a joke. Anyone from Mississippi? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but right. It's, it's with any state for, for Maine. I could put M.E. I could actually write out Maine. I could have lowercase just right. Maine. Like there's some I could forget the E because I'm from Maine. Right. Um, but now if I was going to use that as a single line field and go report on it, I'm going to get yeah. multiple versions of Maine. Or Mississippi. I'm going to like 20 versions of Mississippi, but it's a but longer causes... statement. Makes sense. <laughs> More misspelling options. <laughs> right. There's so many S's, uh, but but that causes issues with reporting, right? And we just don't know for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I would say as a person that comes from the world of uh, data analytics, that was my gig before this. Um, right. I uh, <laughs> that was my kryptonite was when there was an open text field for something that could have been a drop down. And then I would have to waste my valuable time consolidating that data into something that made sense before I could actually get aggregate information out of it. Um, Right. So yeah, I think that is a great, a great point. (laughs) Yeah. And and so that's the ideal, right? Is finding how do I ensure accuracy for these automations, right? So that the information coming in that it is impossible for this automation to fire incorrectly. Right. Um, another way, another thing, broken workflows, you need to update workflows. Like you need to go check on them. There is like workflow hygiene and maintenance that is required in order to ensure that everything is still happening the way you expect it to happen. Um, generally, things won't change, but there's often times where maybe you change the form field at one point. Like you decided, hey, there is marketing qualification criteria that we have now changed. And if you don't go update every single, um, you know, workflow that you have feeding off that form, it's not going to to fire. And so now you're missing all of these these other actions that should be happening that you think are happening. They're just not not working. Um, and then finally, you could have just like improper triggers, right? Like you, the enrollment criteria for a workflow 
is important. And if you don't, if you aren't super specific on ensuring um, that you have the right triggers, then you're just, it's not going to work. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of the pitfalls uh, and challenges uh, might result from almost an over-reliance on, on the automation, right? Like yeah. uh, taking your hands completely off the wheel, um, which is not what automation is about. It's about making things a little more accurate, a little more efficient, but it still requires some some maintenance, some some TLC at times, if you will. <laughs> right. I think that's a great point. Um, so we know the importance of numbers and data. That's like very attached to everything we do. Um, let's talk ROI. Um, how can you measure the effectiveness of your marketing automation efforts? You know, it's challenging and time consuming to get a setup. You may have to make your case to, you know, some stakeholder to have them invest that time um, and manpower, person power, team power um, to put those automations in place. You know, what key metrics, indicators, um, you know, should we be focusing on to see if we're getting a return on that investment? Yeah. So, hmm. All right, back when you were testing everything manually, trying to figure out what the actual flow is, start a timer as you're working through that so you can figure out what the actual time it takes you to execute one of these is. Save that somewhere. Put it on a little post-it note. Uh, build out your workflow. Do everything. It might take you. Some workflows, super easy to set up. Right. right. Um, even better is that some of them, you can just copy and paste the same workflow and just tweak a couple things and then it, it's going to fire great. Uh, now you turn that on a month down the road, two weeks down the road, even like set a timeline and then just go back and look at how many times has that workflow fired and then take multiply that by the amount of time, you know, it took you to do it once manually. And now you have a great, great idea of just how, how much time you have saved doing this. Um, you get to decide within your company what that means for you, right? If it's, if it saved an hour over a month, like maybe it's not the biggest deal. Um, but if it saves an hour a day, now we're like, that's huge. You know, especially if it's something that every team member is doing or anything like that, like it, it can rack up pretty fast. Um, I would also look at certain things. So like when you have an automated like email sequence or something, just look at what, what's the actual like open rate and what, you know, how many people are actually engaging from this automated sequence, because that's a sequence you didn't have to um, fire on your own or like put any manual effort into after you wrote the emails, you basically set right. them in, you said, go now it's just working. And so you can just see like, how are these doing? And you can go swap out anything that's not working. You very quickly now can just identify which ones aren't, aren't getting the attention they deserve and you can move things around and you can add new ones. Right. And you can just kind of let that go in the background. And so the actual return there is that you're, setting it and then necessarily forgetting it, but you don't have to continuously pay attention to it. You just go in and check how it's doing every so often and then take an action depending on what you see. Um, and so that, I mean, that for me, that's a pretty good return on investment as well. Build it once and let it just keep going until you just keep making it better. Right. Well, and, and to your point, you know, about being able to copy a workflow, right? That's, I think, an important thing to to bring up as well is that, you know, the first few workflows are going to require more of a time investment than down the road. Once you have several in place, um, you know, you may have to do more or fewer tweaks depending on how 
unique uh, a new workflow is, yes. um, but at least you will have those building blocks in place already, um, which just makes everything go so much quicker um, on future builds, which is, you know, can only help you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, marketing and sales working together and, you know, that kind of cohesion and the handoffs. Um, Let's talk about the handoffs between platforms. So, you know, how important is integration of marketing automation with, you know, other CRM and sales tools? Um, How does that maximize the impact of Mm -hmm. your marketing automations? So, yeah, use them if you have them. (laughs) Um, but prioritize again, prioritize accuracy. I'm just going to keep bringing that one up. Um, yeah, there are tons of like specific platforms you could be using. So like we've done a lot with like using Zapier to, to just integrate multiple tools like with HubSpot and just to be able to, you know, when someone connects on a course or downloads a course on Thinkific, then they, it sends all of their information into HubSpot it sends us a notification. We can make sure we're actioning. Um, this was for a, a nonprofit I was working with, and we had that triggered to like make sure we're sending out a uh, hey, we welcome a donation email, and like so they did one course on one platform, and the automation fed back into HubSpot to do everything else. Um, so that's that's pretty good. I think using it's like forms again, and just the fields that you're using in these forms is super critical. Uh, something that we've done a lot is like create a either a password protected page or just a page on some URL that no one's ever going to visit so that even like a sales rep or someone who's doing onboarding for your team, right? Someone from your, your customer success team can pull up a specific form and just kind of walk through the questions. So like, Hey, when I'm doing your onboarding call, there's going to be some questions that I need to get from the customer. So let, let me make sure I'm filling these in as I go. And when they, you know, they start with the, the customer's email. So now it's tied to the customer's contact record and they just keep adding all this information as they go down that list, hit submit, it adds everything into that contact record. And because they had to fill in all those forms, we're accurate. We have everything we need. That's going to trigger everything else for the onboarding kind of workflow and sequence there. Um, And it's just an internal form. It's nothing that the client will ever see. It's just something we're filling out in the background while we're on a call with someone. And often those, those can connect in between platforms and that's pretty, uh, pretty valuable. Well, let's we've we've touched a little on on HubSpot, um, mm-hmm. and so I'm I, you are like kind of a resident HubSpot, uh, you know, guru. I'll I'll say. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about HubSpot automation, and you know, in case we have listeners, I'm sure that are on HubSpot. What are some of the essential tools um, that every marketer using HubSpot should know about? Workflows and sequences. I think those are the only two things on the automations drop down, but those are, <laughs> those are the big ones. Um, okay. So the big difference, workflows, fire based off clear criteria, sequences, are more of a sales rep type tool that you manually enroll a contact in it. So okay. say you have uh, you can have a no-show email sequence, right? So that sales rep gets someone who doesn't show up to, um, to a meeting, they can just drop their email into a sequence and it's going to just keep firing all these emails until the individual actions, whatever it is, they respond to an email, then it kicks them out of that sequence and we get to re-engage with them. But now that sales rep only has to do one thing and roll them in that sequence and they can forget about that, move on to the next lead. Right. Um, 
You can do the same thing with workflows too. Something that we do is create an automation engine, which is just a dropdown inside the CRM. And we create whatever the client needs, right? We can set a dropdown item. So they would just open that menu, click whatever it is. So if it's a no-show, right? They would just select no-show, save, and then that is going to enroll someone in the sequence where, you know, basically work the enrollment criteria is if, you know, this automation engine status is no-show, then then do these things. And it's going to be fire this email, wait one day, fire this email, you know, if they haven't responded. Um, and we can just take those actions and all the sales rep had to do is click a single button. And so, and then we can check how many, how many of these emails are actually getting open, right? Are people actually engaging with this? Um, and we can see how many times this is workflow run. So we can see how much time we've saved and like, you can just track a lot of stuff. Um, so yeah, I would, the workflows and sequences. Uh, we also mentioned this, we, we had a HubSpot episode, right? And so like, I mentioned this in there as like a pro tip. I'm going to say it again, use lists to feed your workflows. Um, you can set criteria in a workflow and it's still going to work the same. But if you do it in a list, then you actually get to see all of the names that are going to fire on something. So you can look before you actually enroll someone. You can you can see what this is. It also means if you have to change criteria on something, you can do it in one place rather right. than having to go through 10 different workflows and change everything. Right. You would just change that one list and it'll fire everywhere else. So like we were talking about earlier, right, you change one field on a form because you change your marketing qualification criteria. Now I only have to go update that one list instead of going through every automation, every sequence, every like touch it once and then you don't have to do it again. And that's a huge like when you're mapping this out, that is going to be one of your biggest time savers. Right. Well, and increase in accuracy. I think I also right. mentioned that on the HubSpot. You know, if you have 10 workflows, but oh, you only know about eight of them and you change, you know, someone else in the organization built the yeah. other two and you only change your criteria on those eight. Well, now you have two workflows that are firing off of the wrong criteria. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great point to use those lists instead. Perfect. Well, let's close out with just, well, you know, some advice. So what advice yeah. would you give to some B2B marketers? Just They're just starting their journey with marketing automation. You know, what are some crucial steps, uh, steps to success that they should be taking? So ensure you know what you're doing with each automation, right? Just map it out. Like have, just have a plan and be able to look, even if it's just you sketching it on a piece of paper, like have an idea of what each stage of this automation is going to do, what that's going to look like so that you know if something breaks, what to go look for to ensure you can fix it. Otherwise, something could stay broken and you don't know what to do and it's just going to keep staying broken and bad things are going to happen, right? You're going to start sending out emails that shouldn't be sent. Um, the wrong people are going to be getting the wrong message, whatever it is, right? Um, save yourself that pain by just mapping it out, having a plan to be able to, to fix it later. Um, measure uh, your effectiveness, like have a plan to measure effectiveness because that's really a great selling point later, right? When you, especially if you want to evaluate the, the value of a platform you're paying for, if you can say, hey, we have saved this many man hours this year, right? That pays for the tool itself. Right. Um, that's a great way to justify it. Uh, or you might realize, hey, we actually don't need this tool because we're not using it that much. It's easier for us to do it this way or something. Yeah, well, so, regardless, it's good to track it, right? So you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's also just a morale booster when you're like, oh, man, like I feel so busy all the time. 
but I'm not like I'm a lot less busy because I'm letting these automations do the work. <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> um, and then finally, seek accuracy, like in everything. Just when you're building an automation, just how can I make this the most accurate thing ever? And by making it super accurate, you are going to make it more efficient. Um, yeah, I would. Boom. All right, mic drop. Done. Excellent. Yeah, well, and that's a great point to end that. And we bring back the accuracy, right? That's what it comes down to at the heart of it. Automation is about efficiency, but only through accuracy. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation on marketing automation and B2B. I think our listeners are going to be able to use those insights um, to level up their automation game, increase their accuracy, increase their efficiency, and uh, you know, use their tools and processes to their greatest effect. So thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. And please be sure to take the time to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Um, and until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.